0: After a heartbreaking loss against Iowa, we've got some thoughts and some feelings to unpack, including addressing some of those thoughts on P.J. Fleck that are out there from the fans all over social media. We're talking about it today on Locked on Golden Gophers. Hey, you no are locked happens, on Golden Gophers. No matter what we're going to do here, we're just going to keep rowing. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota uh, Golden turns out, Gophers. Whatever it turns out, we're just going to keep rowing. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We're just going to keep growing, keep growing, and keep growing. You're listening to Locked On Golden Gophers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Kane Robb, host of the podcast, former collegiate football video coordinator and recruiting assistant here to talk Golden Gophers with you each and every day of the week, Monday through Friday. And we just had a heartbreaking loss to Iowa. We're gonna dive in, we're gonna talk a whole lot about what happened and things that need to be addressed. But be sure to follow the podcast wherever you get them and hit subscribe on YouTube. In fact, I need your help, Gophers fans. You, the listener, I need your help starting today and throughout the week. Because even though we're going to talk about the loss from Iowa... It is Axe Week, and along with Axe Week, we have a battle for the Axe with the Locked On Network, Locked On Badgers, Locked On Gophers. We are out here having a friendly competition, and it's time to show that this fan base is much better than those snooty badgers, those pesky Wisconsin fans, and I need your help. I need your help because... Like I said, we have a competition going on, so I need you to tell your friends about this show. I need you to subscribe to the show on YouTube, the the channel that has the most new subscribers Coming out of this week, we'll win the Locked On Battle for the Axe, so all you have to do is subscribe on YouTube, and if you are already subscribed, well, I need you to tell others about the show. I need you to share the show on Twitter or Facebook or wherever you go to help your fellow Gophers fans find this podcast, hit subscribe, and help us. Win the battle for the axe in the Lockdown Network prior to winning the axe back and bringing it home, keeping it home here in Minnesota this Saturday. So help a brother out, help your fellow Gopher fan out, and let's get this battle going. But like I said, we're talking about the Iowa game today and processing the heartbreak that happened, processing things that need to be changed, where we went right, where we went wrong, and so much more. So let's kick it off on there. Let's get going on there because there is a lot to unpack. We're going to start right away with what went wrong in this game. Now, the first thing that I want to talk about and what went wrong is the coaching decisions. The coaching decisions and how the conservativeness may have caught up with us in the long scheme of things and when I say that I'm talking about the decision to stop passing the ball after finding success the decision to try and be so safe and continue to run the ball run the ball run the ball with Mo Ibrahim to the point where he's gonna be tired think about Jimmy Butler in the finals In the bubble where he just absolutely was putting the entire team on his back. And you see that picture of him just hunched over, completely exhausted. That's what happens to star players no matter how good they are. So when you're running the wheels off of Mo and you're giving him 14 straight touches, 15 straight touches. Yes, you're going to have times where an issue, an error or something could happen something unusual, something strange like a fumble. And we're not putting the loss on Mo by any means necessary because if you don't have Mo in this game, you're not even in this game in the slightest. 263 rushing yards. Mo did it all. Mo had the team on his back. Mo was the Gophers in this one. The O line played clean as heck and helped Mo charge ahead. Mo had great vision, great cuts, finding openings. There were moments where we're sitting on our own three-yard line where we're typically going three and out and having to punt the ball. That Mo was like, not today. No, we're beating Iowa. No, we're doing this. No, I will single-handedly find a way. But again, putting so much on him to take any essence of a turnover out of the off the table to continue to run it and run it and run it because our passing game hasn't had a ton of success over the season, because you have a young redshirt freshman quarterback. I, I see the conservatism. I see the conservativeness of, Oh, well, if I just keep giving it to the guy that has been our most consistent rock, then we can't turn it over and they can't stop him. And we'll walk out with a win. But that conservative play Kyle, called caught up with us. I mean, you take yourself out of the game with this always rushing, rushing, rushing. But when you get to the point of having to pass the ball, when it comes to a point where you have to or something bad may happen or you may lose the opportunity to score or fill in the blank, but you have to throw the ball you're no longer in a rhythm you're no longer able to find those openings or you press and you force something that isn't there because you don't have the rhythm anymore you don't have the gusto the the confidence the it's cold it adds up the fact that you're throwing the ball in the cold Wide receivers are keeping their hands on the ball. They're keeping themselves in that mindset of catching the ball. Once you take them out of that, once you take your quarterback out of that mindset of getting things going, finding the groove, getting the connections established, and you go 14, 15 straight plays, you go one pass attempt in like three drives. Yeah, it's going to be tough to have to come up with a big passing play when you haven't had to pass the ball in. 25 minutes real time 40 minutes real time however long it was but you take your young quarterback that started seven for eight in this game and you you don't really have him pass anymore after that you have drives where he goes four for four for 64 yards and helps you get down to a major touchdown And then all of a sudden we almost completely scrap the passing game. Get him out of the flow that he was in. The flow state, the rhythm, the timing, the confidence that was building. And then come back to him later when it's third and seven and you absolutely need a first down. So you can continue to be in scoring position to try to win the game in the fourth. And a receiver, the ball hits him in his hands, even though. The ball was forced into tight windows, but haven't had to catch a pass, haven't had to even think about catching a pass for 25, 30, 35 minutes. You can't be shocked when the ball hits someone in the hands and is deflected into an interception that causes heartbreak and leads to the demise of the team. That all adds up. I'm not saying you have to go out there and throw the ball 80 times with your redshirt freshman, but when you see him in a flow state in the first half, you can keep that flow state, that confidence generating in the second half by having strings of, you know, run, play action pass, then passing one more time or run, play action pass, run, 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 play action, like finding ways to get three To maybe four pass attempts in your 12 play drives. Three to four passing attempts. In your 15 play drives. That shouldn't be that difficult. Especially when your run game is absolutely dominating. The pass game should be able to thrive with play action. Because they're selling out all game. To try and stop Mo. Your 263 yard running back. Throw some play action in there because there wasn't hardly any play action in this game. How? How do you not have a substantial amount of play action in the second half after Mo has dominated this game? That is the part that doesn't make sense to me. That is the part where, yes, absolutely, cloaching decisions played a factor in this game. But that wasn't the only area where we went wrong. Turnovers. We talked about it all week. All of the Floyd week. All of the Iowa rivalry week. We talked about it all week. Whoever wins this turnover battle will win the game. We said it. So don't be surprised and say, how? How could we be the better team? How could we run the ball down their throats, take command of the time of possession battle, and not win the game? I'll tell you how. It's turnovers. It's that simple. No turnovers the entire game, and you head into the fourth quarter, and you have two major turnovers. And we're not placing blame on those turnovers because we just explained how both of those become present. When you run the wheels off of somebody for 14, 15 straight plays, there's going to be a higher chance of turnovers due to exhaustion, due to, you know, maybe... Fighting for extra yards after play, after play, after play, and all of a sudden, you maybe do something uncharacteristic. You put the ball further out there. You try to fight ahead for even more because you have that expectation of yourself to put the team on your back to take this thing over. And makes a mistake or a decision that you wouldn't normally make to take someone out of rhythm. And not have them pass the ball for almost an entire half, basically. Like like I said, Ethan started seven for eight in this game. I believe he finished seven for 15, but three of those were the halt, like just trying to chuck the ball up at the end of the game. So you take three of those away where we couldn't get it done in the final, what? 10 seconds, 16 seconds of the game. Take those three Hail Mary attempts away. And you're looking at seven for 12. Seven for 12. That means you started seven for eight and you passed the ball in the real scheme of the game four more times. Four more times. But then you expect that to go well later? No. So the turnovers were self-caused by some of the coaching decisions. Those two things absolutely were what caused us to lose this game, even though it felt like the Gophers dominated from quarter two to the final minute of the game. That final minute is where it was lost. Now, the final thing that ended up being where we went wrong was we couldn't capitalize on the opportunities that were given our way. The missed field goal, once again. The interception that could have been made down on the Iowa territory with on the like, five-yard line after the fumble. Like there isn't blame when it comes to those. You don't blame the players in those situations, but to be able to capitalize on those situations make a huge difference in this game. If you can't capitalize on your opportunities, but Iowa can when they get a punch out, Iowa can when there's a tipped ball, that's where it comes down to. Those scrappy moments, those lucky moments, as some fans may call it, that's where the game turns. No matter how bad you're playing. If you can capitalize on the opportunities and the small moments that present themselves, you'll find yourself in the position to be in any game if it's a close one. So those are the three areas where we went wrong, and they added up, they hurt, it was painful, I understand it, Gopher fans. On the flip side, the positives that we do need to at least address here, the offensive line played out of their mind. They were great in this game. Every single one of them was great. When Ariante Urseri went down and Martez Lewis stepped up for a bit before he came back, he was great. Every offensive lineman in this game played their butts off. And along with the offensive line playing their butts off, Mo Ibrahim is one of the most amazing running backs this program has ever seen if not the most amazing running back this program has ever seen there will not be another mo ibrahim so appreciate what his time has been here and appreciate what you just saw even in a loss then the final thing was the defense was really stout in this one outside of a handful of plays the explosive 50 yard tight end screen at the beginning of the game outside of dropping the interception. Like there are a handful of plays that you're like, man, if we could get that stop, if we could cut that three plays out on the defensive end, maybe they don't score the defense looked nice. They put the team on the black. They came out with huge three and outs at certain points in this game. The defense played really well. Those were the positives in this one. We've talked about what, what went wrong, but we—I need to address the fans and things that are being said on Twitter about Coach PJ Fleck. Some people calling for firing, some people calling for failure. We're gonna address all of that because it's something that each and every fan needs to hear. Coming up next. First, this show is brought to you by friends over at Simply Safe. More crimes, burglaries, break-ins, property crimes happen during the holiday season, so don't get caught off guard. In fact, SimpliSafe is offering 50% off of their systems, their award-winning security systems, so more families feel safe over the holiday season. Now, SimpliSafe is a whole home security system with advanced sensors in every room, window and door, HD security cameras for inside and out, smarter ways to detect motion and that alert you only when a threat is real. And even hazard sensors that detect fires, floods and other threats to your home. So don't miss your chance to save big on the only home security system I would recommend 50% 50% off a new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash locked on college. Again, that's simplysafe.com slash locked on college. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, gophers fans. Like I said, thank you for making us your first lesson when it comes to gophers daily sports and tell a gopher friend. Tell one. Even one other Gopher fan to subscribe on YouTube, so we can win this Locked On battle for the Axe, so we can outdo Locked On Badgers this whole week, and so we can build our community here. So we have a place to talk in the comments on YouTube below and vent any frustrations, vent any feelings, concerns, things positive, positive things, things you loved, the future aspects of this team that you love to see. Talk about it down in the comments. Get them going. I love generating that conversation, interacting with y'all down there. And we're, I've even been seeing comments from the other fans—some good, some bad—and you appreciate them all. So be sure to subscribe on YouTube at Locked On Golden Gophers. Now, there's been calls for PJ Flex' job after losing to Iowa once again. I get it. 0-6 against a rival—you hate to see it. You hate to see it in one of the biggest rivalries and you just get pissed quite frankly you get ticked off now i get that but why in the world would you even discuss firing that coach a coach who is 47 or 42 and 27 overall with the program right now a nearly 61 percent winning percentage. It's 60.8% win record, win percentage. He has only had two losing seasons in Minnesota. One of those was year one where he went five and seven, which you'd expect most coaches. Most coaches will have a losing season regardless of the roster in their first year. The only other year in which he's had a losing season was in the COVID year where he went three and four. You say one of those flips, you're already above 500. On the second fact, you only played seven games and the golfers were one of the most impacted teams when it came to the COVID year. Not only impacted with COVID, but with injuries all over the team. So you've only truly had... One losing season, which was the first season in his year in the program. Now, outside of that, from 2004 to 2016, the Gophers wins were seven, seven, six, one, seven, six, three, three, six, eight, eight, six, nine. That's how many Gophers wins they had from 2004 to 2016. One season. With nine wins in 13 years. Now, Minnesota still has a chance to finish with nine wins this season. And in PJ Flex time, that would be five, seven, 11, the COVID year, nine, and nine. You're talking three out of those five and a half, six seasons would be nine wins or more. After you just went 13 years with only having one of those types of seasons. And you want to get rid of that? You want to even discuss getting rid of that in Minnesota? I don't get that. I get that losing close ones is painful, but we have to learn how to recover from bad losses. And Minnesota fans, you've been through it all. You experienced it with the Vikings this weekend. The Gophers, you see it with the timberwolves. You see it with the wild, with the twins. It happens all the time here in Minnesota. And I saw a tweet about how Minnesotans are they've experienced the most they're the toughest fans out there, and I get that. I agree with that. But lately, especially in the past year and a half, the year past year and a half for, for the most part, that that toughness, that loyalty, that hardship that you've experienced has turned more resentful, hateful in the comments, in the in the aspects of the team, on social media, out loud, in the public. That's where it can't happen, especially when it comes to golfers' sports. It's different with professional sports where your calls for action can sometimes lead to change because people are getting paid. So you change the way that people get paid, you change the way that You pay your stars or you bring in different talent. When it comes to gopher sports, there's a whole nother thing. It's recruiting. It's kids seeing these messages. It's kids seeing what you are saying. And then your words and your choices have an impact on how maybe those kids see this team or want to play for a team like that. I get that it hurts. But this isn't going to be an Alabama or an Ohio State program. It's not going to be a team that wins championships year after year after year after year out of nowhere. Not one coaching hire is going to immediately change it into that type of program. Coach Fleck has been to the second most bowl games after this season, and he, if he wins the bowl game this year, he will have won the most bowl games in Minnesota Gophers history since the bowl games have been established. He has the best winning percentage in Minnesota since the 1950s. In fact, there was only two or three coaches throughout the entire 1900s from 1900 to 1999. There's only two or maybe three other coaches that have a winning percentage slightly higher than Coach P.J. Fleck. Otherwise, all of the other coaches that have a better winning percentage were from the 1800s. And you want to get rid of that or even question that. That's baffling to me. So I wanted to put that out there in the ether. Now, I know even though I talked about all this winning that Coach Fleck has done here, even though people are like, oh, but it's never against the the better opponents. It's not against the winning teams. Even me talking about the winning percentage, even me talking about the bowl games, even me talking about the success that we had been seeing as opposed to or compared to the 13 years prior. People still want to hear that. So let's talk about how PJ Fleck compares to some of these coaches in the Big Ten that have been tenured, that have gotten the respect from fans, from Gophers and others inside the Big Ten. How does he compare to some of those guys? That's what we're going to talk about next. But first let's talk about the Nissan thrilling moments of the game. It's a new segment brought to you on the Lockdown College Network, thrilling moments where we highlight the most exciting play from the past week. And it's hard to highlight an exciting play when you lose a rivalry game down to the wire in a close matchup, but it wasn't one play. It was play after play after play for Mo Ibrahim, who put 263 rushing yards out there for the Gophers, a school record at Huntington Bank Stadium. That is your Nissan thrilling moment. And it's inspired by the new thrilling designs uh, featured across Nissan's wave of new lineup of vehicles. Pursue it through you with the new Frontier Armada or Pathfinder today, available now at NissanUSA.com. All right, so we're closing this one off by talking about how Coach Fleck compares to some of these staples in the Big Ten coaching landscape. Now, what you see when it's a couple of 500 seasons, a couple of losing seasons, but some good success. You see something like James Franklin in Penn State, 67.8 winning percentage, one out of nine, one of his nine seasons was a losing season, and it was only the COVID year, three double-digit win years. Otherwise, he's had a seven-win season, a seven-win season, a nine-win season, a seven-win season, and this year he might walk out with a 10-win season. That's what it looks like outside of his 11-win seasons like three times. That, that is what we can strive to be right now with this Gophers program as it grows. Or another coach that has had a lot of success that has a similar winning percentage to Coach Fleck in much longer tenure, Coach parents over at Iowa. 61.8% winning percentage. That's 1% higher than what we've seen from Coach Fleck so far through six years. Now, his is in 24 years, but in those 24 years, he has seen seven double-digit win seasons. He's had four losing seasons, and 14 of those 24 seasons, 14 of them were six to nine win seasons, but you don't see people calling for his head in those seasons. You see people trusting the process, seeing growth, seeing the difference of what they have had and maybe the past, and what he has brought in them in those 24 years. Yes, there's some downtimes. Yes, there's going to be some slumps, pending on the recruiting, pending on the offensive system in place, pending on the defensive system in place. But rather than calling for the coach's head, let's look at what changes we can make in the offense or defense. Now, the defense has been spot on with the Gophers. Maybe, just maybe, there needs to be a more modern approach to the offense. Maybe that's where we need to see shifts, but calling for the coach's head seems like a stretch. Now, two other coaches in the Big Ten that you don't hear getting called for their heads, but similar, actually worse winning percentages. I gave you two that were similar. One was greater. One was almost the exact same. Two below. and one is Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern with a 52.6% win percentage, 17 seasons. 17 seasons in three double-digit wins years. Now, he had two division titles, one of those being the COVID year. I mean, he did it, you give it to him, but how much credit can we really take there in a six- to eight-game season? Seven out of his 17 seasons, seven of them were losing seasons. But people give Northwestern a pass. People give Iowa in their down years a pass. You, you, yes, the expectations from this year are down, but the year itself, if you come out with nine wins, it's still a successful season for most programs. And for a typical Gopher program, like we said, 13 years beyond PJ PJ Fleck, we had one nine win season and we're complaining about a nine win season this season. And I get it because of the expectations. I get it because of the roster. I get it because of what we have seen and come to expect, but you don't fire that. That's what I have to say. The last coach I want to talk about in the Big Ten is Jeff Brom. 51.4% winning percentage. Six seasons. Same as P.J. Flake. Six of them. Zero double-digit wins. Three out of those six are losing seasons. You don't see people calling for his head. You see people saying, he gets it on offense. He takes risks on offense. It's because people don't like conservative play. Conservative play. It's that simple. So maybe that's something we address, but I don't think you get rid of the success that you are seeing with this program that you haven't seen at this level. But the thing to keep in mind is the patience that you've seen from those coaches that even when not winning the conference, you've seen the upward trajectory. And now it takes time to take the next step. And yes, there is a next step. Next step is needed. We do need to win the division. We do need to win more of these rivalry games, especially against Iowa. But the last thing I want to bring up with this coaching thing is who? If not PJ Fleck, who are you bringing in? Give me three quality candidates. Three of them. That's all I ask you for. Give me three legitimate quality candidates that would consider Minnesota, that would build here in Minnesota and not leave for the next job in two to three years after finding maybe an eight win, nine wins. If say a new coach comes in, they win eight games, nine games, 10 games, and they scram. Give me three quality head co-coaching candidates that will stay in Minnesota for eight years or longer, and I will listen. But I don't think you can do it. This coach has changed the culture here. This coach has changed the team's outlook in the community here, how involved they are, how the academically the team has been doing, the expectations of this team has changed, and things have been positive with Coach Fleck, even outside of the what have you done for me right now in this moment. So don't let that skew how you feel about the team. Let's shake it off. Let's take a breather and let's head into Axe Week. Keep the axe here in Minnesota. And that's what we're going to be talking about this week on Lockdown Golden Gophers. That's going to do it for us. Thank you once again. Please share it with a friend and subscribe on YouTube. This is Kane Robb signing off. Roll the boat. Sky, you ma. Go Gophers.